You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. Hey everyone and welcome to the room. We talk all things Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. This is episode number 220. We're discussing more Mando casting news, the Snyder Cut, and film franchise What Ifs. I'm on your host, Tim. I'm Troy. I'm Carlos. And we're missing our dude, Sonny. He has, he's disappeared. He never gave us a full reason why he didn't come on the show, but he did provide you guys with some content this week. He just posted today on Tuesday as we record. He reposted, he posted a video or his movie room tour it's about half an hour long great content guys over on a youtube page the nerd room podcast get your fill of sunny this week a full half an hour of him walking through his immense steelbook collection his movie room it's great stuff guys did you guys have a chance to check it out i did i did the whole mcu collection come on sunny you're on fire no it it was good I, i didn't i'm not finished quite yet um but over what 200 steel books yeah i mean come on crazy it's it's madness and you know with his new setup going on it looks fresh as ever and um sonny's the man with the cam dude he's he's been putting it down for what two years now behind the scenes doing some camera work and uh it's good to see that he's continued pushing this so um i hope we get more down the pipeline from sonny so go on our youtube page and check that guy out yeah yeah, it's uh, he's he's got a passion for that, yeah. and it's funny because he always looks at us sideways when we say, "Oh, we've got you know X amount of action figures," and the guy's got two hundred steel books. <laughs> <laughs> it's 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 great, over two thousand movies. So yeah, it's some great yeah. content there. Get your Sanjay Phil this week over on the YouTube page because unfortunately you're not going to get him this week, guys. You're gonna have to deal with myself, Troy, and Carlos walking you through. Our week's in nerd. This week in nerd, you know, we've got more casting news coming out of The Mandalorian Season 2. It seems this film is just layering on not only great actors, but characters we're familiar with in the Star Wars universe. And, of course, we got to talk about the Snyder Cut. This thing just will not go away. But there's some light at the end of the tunnel here. Apparently, there's rumors that this thing might be hitting HBO Max. So we're going to discuss through that. And then off the back end of that, we're also going to talk about some film franchise what-ifs. Using this Snyder Cut as an idea, what is some film franchises that we'd like to see or we could see being revisited or should have been revisited in a similar capacity maybe to what the Snyder Cut's doing here and giving us a different view of those franchises. And so we're going to talk about all that stuff at the back of the episode, guys. But like we always do at the top of these episodes, we got to get into our week in Nerd Troy. My man, what's going on with you? Um, this was, this was a slow week, man. I, 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 uh, I kind of went back to my basics. I, I was slow on the figures. I managed to, um, do something that I never thought I'd ever do. I'm a physical guy when it comes to comic books and Ooh. trades. And you know what? I don't know what I was doing. I was chilling and I was like, I really want to read something new. And I got a bunch of books downstairs I haven't touched yet, but, um, I just came off the heels actually are reading the last carnival. Um, it's like a Dick Grayson prequel story to him becoming Robin in the Batman mythos. And it's a pretty cool book. It felt very CW, but uh, a very strong beginning, kind of weak middle. And then it just kind of got rushed towards the end. 
but I all around enjoyed it. So thank you, Rick, from uh, Tumbling Saber over there for recommending it. But after that, I was like, man, I want to keep going here and, and just read something. And I was lazy, though. I just didn't want to go downstairs. So I was, <laughs> on my, I was on my phone and I was like, everyone's talking about Marvel Unlimited or, or this and that and uh, Comixology. So I checked out Comixology because it's, it's connected, I believe, to, to Amazon of some yeah. sort. I think yeah, Amazon right. owns them. They own them. So I was on there messing around and they had a couple freebies. And they had um, Secret Wars 2015, which I already have. And I was like, oh, I'll just go through this. And what sold me is Secret Wars is amazing, by all means. But when I set it to, like, um, there's a certain mode mm-hmm. when, you're, when, when you're using it, when it's very cinematic and very comic-like at the same time, which is taking you through each text bubble. And Secret Wars is, like, the coolest comic to do it with, at least if you're, like, a, an intermediate like me. And... Um, this was this was an experience that kind of got me a little hooked on Comicsology. So, Sunny, I'm sorry, I might be I might be stirring a little more into the digital stream after this thing. So, I picked up like Planet Hulk. I picked up a whole bunch of of X Men from 2004, leading up to this uh, Messiah Complex book that I got last week. So, nice. this is a kind of cool route to go. I think I want to be pretty stern though. I don't want to do anything Spider Man, mm. and I mean going forward after this, I don't want to do anything X Men. But I think for other things that I want to venture into, I, I think I might mess around with this it's, thing. Man. It's it's a great way to, like you said, jump into new things that yeah. maybe you're a bit skeptical on or you don't want to pull the trigger on a trade or something like that. It's like, let's get into a few issues here. Yes. And then you can plow through something. Yeah. Because it's like literally at your fingertips. It's at your fingertips. And then I ended up doing like a, a little screencast on my TV just to be like, you know, a little <laughs> more blown away. And uh, this was cool. It, it was it was a fun time. So I checked out that. Um, like I said, no action figures, but I did. I did go down Sunny's route, and I hit up Kijiji because I'm getting <laughs> sick of tired of trying to find these Ghostbusters um, retro <sighs> toys. It's driving me nuts. They're impossible to find. So I went to Kijiji, and I was like, you know what? I'm trying to do a little new um, still book kind of setup in my place. And I was like, but I'm lacking steelbooks. I don't have nowhere near as much as the man of steelbooks himself. So I ended up finding the Batman Dark Knight Rises, which I, it's, it's clear. It's not my favorite Batman by any means. But that steelbook case is mm-hmm. phenomenal. It's, it's, it might be up there with the Black Panther steelbook case. I think it's phenomenal. And I also picked up uh, the King of Pop himself, MJ. This is it, steelbook. And Buddy had them for... Buy, buy them together for 24 bucks off Kijiji or 25 bucks. And I was like, crazy done. And he didn't live that far from me is a pretty smooth contactless uh, transaction. And I'm, I'm loving these things, man. I'm loving these things. Like he did have another Batman, the dark Knight returns or not returns. Sorry, the dark Knight, just the dark Knight. But I knew if I picked that one up, then I'm going to have to find begins. And I didn't yeah, want to yeah. go down that rabbit hole. Right. <laughs> so um, anyways, man, that, that was it. It was, it was a pretty light week. But I'm just I'm kind of into these steelbooks these days. But then after watching Sonny's uh, steelbook collection, it just deflated me. So, <laughs> I should encourage you. <laughs> yeah, because he, he Sonny had the same effect on me. Like I got Sanjay into steelbooks. I, I yeah. was the one that I was a catalyst for that for him. Yeah. And he hates me every day for it. So does his wallet and his wife. But <laughs> I got out of them because of the price and then he got me back into them. And so it's this kind of really funny circular thing that I'm now, I always ask you guys in the DM, I was like, is there any MCU steel books? Cause I have to now complete, I'm about three quarters of the way through the MCU, but I got some real key ones that I'm missing. Mm. And in watching that video, I'm like, damn, like I need to get into that. Like this guy's killing me. 
it's it's, oh, like, it's a nice setup that he has, man. Yeah, wow. it's beauty. All right, man. Goddamn Batman. What's going on it, with you these days? Oh, you know what? It's uh, it's been pretty light as well for me. Um, not chasing much, so not making much. Uh, all the Batman stuff coming out right now seems to be like really big and really expensive, but. <laughs> I, I got to pick my spot with that stuff. So there's been a few times I've almost pulled the trigger on some of those like big showtime pieces, but I'm like, ah, you know, mm-hmm. just, just wait. And like inevitably within two weeks, I get a solicit for something I like just as much or even more. So who knows? I might end up just retiring <laughs> just <laughs> looking at all the advertisements, but hanging uh, up the cowl. <laughs> yeah. The collecting cowl. But uh, yeah, no, um, cleaned up all the CW season finales this week. So Supergirl, Batwoman, and um, getting ready for the launch of Stargirl, which is tonight. So the wife and kids threatened to watch it without me, but I'm hearing <laughs> phenomenal things about it. And awesome. yeah, you guys should check it out. It'll be on on demand when we're done recording kind of thing. And then playing, playing video games again. So yeah. I went down that MK11 rabbit hole. Yes, and sir. Oh, they had it on sale, and the big seller for me was, uh, well, it was dirt cheap. You got a copy of the gold edition of Injustice 2 with it. But they had skins for, like, the Batman Who Laughs and Catwoman and Killer Croc for a bunch of the characters in there. But then I got into that story mode, and it's just blowing me away. It's it's so cool. Like It's, it's great. Essentially, yeah, it's an animated Mortal Kombat movie with little areas that you play here and there. But, yeah. Uh, it's cool the game is super rich like really deep and then as though as a thank you from ed boone himself to me they're adding robocop as a dlc character there you go (laughs) in a week or so so i was just like that is ironic i haven't bought an mk game for decades but uh yeah i buy one and all of a sudden my my second best boy shows up as the that's hilarious. The DLC, so. And he looks great. He looks phenomenal. You, you shot me the shots over that, or the, the trailer of him in the DM. And they have him down from the movements, everything. The blasters, that little what rocket launcher coming out of his arm. Yeah. Every detail, man. That's Robocop in the fullest. Oh, yeah. I love how he like takes out and holsters the gun all the time out of his yeah. leg. And they actually got Peter Weller to come back and do the voice for the... No way. time since like the 90s, Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Is this, is this the game that got you in a little trouble this week? <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe a bit. <laughs> uh, Carlos, man, that 96 hours followed by a little, little Mortal Kombat trouble. It's, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> you're veering one way here. Yeah, the, the MK, it's, uh, it's nothing compared to the Witcher, the Witcher rabbit hole, that's uh, for sure. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, it's been fun and it's been a, like a cheap way to, get a ton of entertainment in the fandom world so yeah check it out that psn has always got sales so awesome. i highly recommend awesome well that sounds fun man it's it's interesting i i love that because of the way the world is it's made all of us veer into different lanes of nerddom mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. troy going digital here carlos you're getting heavy into video games you know these things we weren't discussing two months ago and so i think it's really cool that this has allowed us to expand our fandom because I'm going to tell you guys right now, I've been all over EB games, the website, and I'm just pining over these NECA figures. <laughs> nice. I'm waiting for the back of the future to come up and pre-order. And look, I've had that shredder, that turtle shredder in my cart in and out 10 times in the past week. <laughs> and I, I, I don't like, I'm and I'm so mad that I missed those original NECA turtles from the original 90s film. Troy, I know you got those, right? Yeah. You got them for a steal at EB game. 
Yeah, yeah, a great price for the four figures, man. I went hunting hard for those guys. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm I'm this is me. This is my avenue that I've I veered down during all this because I'm not out on the hunt. I'm not doing the you know, the comic books in the same capacity, not hitting up the shop and getting my fix there. And now I'm thinking like, man, I gotta get into and the back to the future NECA that they just they showed it at New York Toy Fair, but it's coming up for pre order on all the sites. Like the Marty's ah oh man, like Marty and it's Back to the Future Two, which is my favorite one. With the hoverboard and everything, ah, it's killing me. So this is oh. this is a, a an extension of the collection that is going to find its way into the nerd room because I love what NECA is doing. Like they yeah. are, their the price point is fantastic. Yeah. Like Thirty bucks or so for yeah. the quality of figures. Like it's right up the same line as the McFarlane quality. And oh, it's not, not more. Too, yeah, not better, too man. dissimilar from oh. the from a price point perspective. Like these are the same price as a Black Series or a Marvel Legend. Yeah. yeah, I can't wait till you get your hands on them, man. Because like I dipped in with like the DC versus ones, so they did like the SDCC exclusives. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, I remember you showing that to us. Yeah, and I like the solicits, but I was blown away by the quality of the actual figures. And they're so nice that my kid actually started poaching a few off of Phoenix Comics when we'd go in there uh, of the like the horror movie characters and like mm-hmm, the characters yeah. and aliens and whatnot. And she bought Pennywise. It was like one of the, like we have a couple hundred action figures in our house. And like this Pennywise by NECA is one of the nicest ones by far. Crazy. <laughs> it's just phenomenal. Yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's completely wild. And I'm in the same space as you try with those Ghostbusters retros. Like, it's, Oh my God. Like I haven't been on the hunt that much, but I'm stocking Walmart website and mm. I'm looking down South now. Like, am I willing to pay the exchange to get them in hand? Right. I've seen them pop up on, on people's feeds on YouTube and that people reviewing them. I'm like, ah, this is killing me. Yeah. It's yeah. gone bad, man. Like, I'll go on YouTube and I'll just watch people go on these little toy hunts. Yeah, me to too, man. I'm the same way. You know what I mean? And I'm right there like, damn it. They got it. Um, it's all <laughs> yeah. American. So I think it's – I think the word is – I don't know if I even want to say this online because it might take away from my hunt. So maybe I'll tell you after. <laughs> off yeah, we'll keep, we'll keep this a secret until we get them in hand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I need these, man. I need me these too. in my Me life. too. That Back to the Future, it's only Back to the Future 1. So you got Marty. You got Doc. No, I think well, I think there's Biff. Biff there was okay. a Mart and then two Martys, I believe. Yeah, which um, are the two Martys? There's a Marty that is the I think there's a Back to Future one, and then there's Back to Future two Marty with the jacket and the shoes. He comes the with the the puffy vest and the hat and the hoverboard. Not the shiny hat though. Like it's not like that. I that think it's cool a shiny future. hat. Yeah. Yeah, and it's, it's the, a shiny hat. The yeah. futuristic one. But not the futuristic jacket though, eh? I don't think so. Oh, that's my Marty. I need that one. Because uh, I know board. it's the 1950s Marty. Yeah. And he has the vest on that she calls, a, like, why are you a sailor? Because you're wearing this vest. <laughs> we have a life jacket. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, okay. Calvin Klein, yeah. And so Calvin Klein. They, yeah. they look fantastic. It, uh, it's it's fed. Oh, great. But speaking about action figures, man, like, I uh, big shout out to the goddamn Bat Fam because I ended up with, I spoke about this a few weeks ago, but Carlos and his family hooked me up with the Empire Strikes Back Wave 1 40th Anniversary Black Series figures. I got them delivered in hand, pristine condition. And I got to tell you guys, these figures, like not only on the card backs look gorgeous, but the figures themselves, I was comparing to the original Leia, to the original Han. The face sculpts are mental. Like, so good. Leia, they really struggled with, hey, Troy? Getting oh, yeah. that figure's face right, especially if you go back to the really the very first New Hope Leia. 
it yeah. it looks it does it looks like a like doesn't even look like anything. It looks like they just punked a head off a Barbie doll or something and stuck it on there. So yeah. generic looking. Yeah. And you look at this now as Hoth Leia. Holy moly! Like yeah. it's it's incredible. The likeness is wild. The Harrison Ford's great. Even I think this is my favorite Hamill head. I know great. we talk about the revolving door of Hamill heads, but this one is is great. It's fantastic. They've really, really narrowed in with this new technology and all the face sculpts. And even the Yoda looks better. The Yoda looks like an updated face sculpt too. Because mm-hmm. I've got the archive version and I've got the original blue card version. So I've paid over $100 for three of the same Yoda figures. That's how crazy I am. <laughs> but they they look, these look unreal. The card backs, everything about them. I'm mm-hmm. super pleased with this wave. And looking at like our, our buddy Dave, man, he, he shot us up an image of all his card back stuff. And he's yeah. finding wave two at Target. And that Lando he showed us, again, with the face sculpt, comparing to the original red card release, again, next level stuff. But he's getting that like two months early. I think when I went on Amazon America, um, it doesn't come out for another two months. Yeah. like Dave, good on you because that's huge to get those guys that early. Massive. And those shipments are all over the place, it looks like. Like people are finding stuff that wasn't meant to come out for like until June or July. People are finding the shelves now. So it seems like stuff that was made, it just ended up here and they're just throwing it on the shelves like it just looks like it came sporadically maybe the way they stack containers when all this stuff happened and they just pulled Mm. the one off the top that had wave two in it wave one was buried at the bottom i don't know but he said he never saw wave one in the targets down there in the states but now he's finding wave two stuff right funny because we're getting the wave one here but no wave two so yeah interesting it's coming it's coming and uh the only other thing is my child pop got delayed here which is okay i was almost expected but i Waiting for that one. Games? Yes, it was EB Games, but they like, I guess maybe they don't have a way. They shipped it from Toronto. Yeah, I, and I have like, my spawn is in limbo somewhere too. Like, I actually yeah. got tracking information. From yeah, me too. Later. Yeah, that's same. <laughs> it, it just kind of stuck with like the sixth. It's been coming from Toronto to Calgary since the sixth. Like, I, I could have run down the Trans Canada Highway on foot and been back. <laughs> well, that's like, I had all this confidence because it was like, it got to the packing facility, Purelator picked it up, and then it just went dead silent. And then I got a notification today saying delayed due to COVID 19. Oh, interesting. So it was supposed to be here today. And I'm like, I went out my front door like three times. I was like, okay, maybe Purelator is just not pushing doorbells and it's sitting out there. <laughs> but to no avail. But that's okay. I understand. The consequences here, the, the big thing for me is it's secured. It's sitting in a packing facility somewhere, and it'll eventually get to me. So that's okay. Yeah, the child is getting looked after by Al Simmons instead of the Mandalorian right now. That's very so. true. <laughs> <laughs> and the only other thing I want to comment on here, I did check out episode three of Disney Galleries for The Mandalorian, and this was focused in on the cast. Like I have to say, I know you had some, some caution there, Carlos, about kind of the peak behind the curtains. I would say this is less of that. It's not typical behind the scenes. It's more of a creator and cast sort of look back. And there's some behind the scenes, but it's not really showing, you know, how they executed this, how they did this, why they made this decision. It's more about this one at least. And a lot of the previous ones were around the creatives. And this is around the cast, the Pedro Pascal and all that coming in and talking about how they approach the roles. And so it's one of these things that I find it was clearly what would have been an hour long documentary or whatever, or two hour long documentary. And they've, they've cut it up. 
because every time it ends, I'm like, well, I want more. And so it, it's it's really great. I like this behind the scene look into how they crafted the Mandalorian and how each person took a, a certain avenue towards how they approached the characters, how they built the characters, and how Favreau and Filoni really have influenced this whole universe into something pretty great. Um, so it's, it's really nice to see the behind the scenes on that one. Um, yeah, maybe I'll check it out. Like the creative process and mm-hmm. um, kind of the the thought behind the narrative and the construction of that, that's the stuff I love. But yeah, yeah like I said, I, I hate when, when they show you too much and it takes the magic away. Yeah, I wouldn't... Like I don't know if you've watched all three, Troy, but I wouldn't say it it veers too heavily into what is kind of that typical Star Wars behind the scenes, blue screen and all that kind of stuff. Like you don't see a lot. You do see some of it, but I wouldn't say it's focused more on the creative side of it, how they, how they develop things from a narrative perspective and how people approached it rather than saying like, this is how we did this shot. And this is how the puppets work. And this is why, you know what I mean? And so Carl Weathers was also really great on there. Mando. Um, last one. Yeah. Mando. Yeah. <laughs> He's awesome. Cool. <laughs> so, all right, guys. Well, without Sanjay here, we, we still have to discuss last week's, the end of the episode. We had a really great, really great question from our, our good friend, Dave. And he put us in pit us against each other, building teams mm. from various universes, including 90s action film stars. And we, we, we constructed these teams and we threw a poll up on Twitter to see which team would win in a fight to the death, a Ron Burgundy style fight to the death. And it turns out, guys, I am a champion again. Not only did I win the Star Wars Trivia Night, but my team killed your team. It, it's just it's just those MCU kids. That, that's all it is. Just those the blind voting. Well, yeah, if that was the case, I would have won. Because Thor, listen. Blue balls, um, your guy. <laughs> oh, Doctor Manhattan. Oh, blue balls, yes. Yeah. Doctor Manhattan. Nothing stops that guy. I mean, like I, I, I was thought I was all right. I thought I had Thanos or not Thanos, uh, Thor, and Wonder Woman. I'm like, I'm gonna be okay. But then after thinking about it more and more, I'm like, yeah, nothing really stops Doctor Manhattan. But Tim, who would you have? You had Thor, or sorry, Thor? Thanos. Thanos. Sorry, yeah. why did I say Thor? So I had Thanos. Yeah. I had Zod. Yeah. Yoda and yeah. Neo, and you had Vader, Carlos, right? That's yeah, that's interesting. No, Sunny had Vader. Oh, you I had Ray. Oh, you yeah, had Ray. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you, you'll you'll notice on Twitter it was all the all the most uh, astute and learned followers in the Twitter gang <laughs> all basically said that it was a folly to go against Doctor Manhattan. But I understand the logic of the popularity contest because. When I told my wife, I was like, "Hey, you got to vote in the street." See, fight I didn't fan. have I didn't have my wife vote. I didn't get a vote either. I know all three. You voted for yourselves. Oh, just just wait. The story gets better. So, she's like, "Your team sucks. Why would I vote for you with the smiley face guy?" Yeah. Meaning Dr. Mrs. Manhattan Goddamn of, Batman of the Watchmen. She's like, "Oh no, I'm not going against Wonder Woman." She's like, "I'm voting for Troy." <laughs> ah. Appreciate it. And Appreciate then I had to check it. her Instagram to make sure there's no shirtless pics <laughs> in the DM there. So, well, I made I made it very clear that Troy was not participating in this fight, only coaching, because yeah. I didn't want people to think, "Oh, if Troy's going to jump in the ring, it's over." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh man, well that's fine. No, Dave, shout that out was to Dave. great. Yeah, that that that's that's that a fun match. That was 
that's some good stuff, man. So, um, Timbo, congratulations with the win. Um, yeah, we're, we're Neo, man, Neo, Neo's a powerhouse. That guy's. Yeah. That was a really good pick for the '90s because you just made it too. Because he's what yeah, 99? '99. Yeah. Yeah. So. Neil it's 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 something that we had some really great discussions on Twitter with people about, and people feel like Doctor Strange was thrown out there, and there's a few others that were clearly missed on our parts. And so this is something that we might revisit down the road in a bonus episode or if we're having a few brews or something and want to have another death fight here, it might be fun to throw it out there because uh, it did get, you know, pretty warm reception and there's a lot of, a lot of great discussion around it, which is what we want, which we like. And to be honest with you, the only one who really suffered here was Sonny. Like between the three of us, mm-hmm. it was all within a couple percentage points. It was what, pretty what evenly come- split. So it was Carlos had 25% of the vote, Sanjay had 14, Troy had 29, I had 32. So, so it was pretty tight, and there was like it was bouncing back and forth um, through through the through the week. But gotta say, man, I think I think Thanos won that for me. <laughs> just he just looked at Manhattan, snapped his fingers, peace. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> there is no Thanos. <laughs> man, I tell you, well, the big blue dong, man, he could have uh, done a bit more damage, but <laughs> exactly. So, anyways, guys, let's let's jump into uh, before we go into sunny territory here. Yeah, Let, yeah, let's let's jump into some of the news here. We're gonna kick it off with Mandalorian season two. We spent some time last week talking about Tamir Morrison, talking about Rosira Dawson. You know these characters that are coming into this season of the Mandalorian and really helping pad out some of that Filoni creation, that story that's been left to be told in some form or another, likely falling in some capacity into Mandalorian Season 2 with the potential for Fett, Rex, Ahsoka, and who else was on there? There was, a, not Asajj Ventress, um, Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan, yep. That is rumored to be in Mandalorian Season 2, a scoop from Slash Film. And Slash Film is coming at us again with another exclusive scoop here. They're talking about Timothy Oliphant. Now, they didn't break that he was going to be in it. That was broken by the trade, saying that he is going to be in this Season 2 of Mandalorian. But they broke the character that he is going to be playing. And this is going to bring a little confusion to our discussion from last week with regards to Boba Fett. Apparently... He is playing a character that goes by the name of Cobb Vanth. Now, for those of you that are hardcore Star Wars readers, you'll know from the Aftermath books, those are the books, the trilogy that came out after the release. I believe it started after the release of The Force Awakens. And it was really summing up what happened, or the aftermath, if you will, of Return of the Jedi that was slightly focused in and around our main characters, Han Solo, Chewie, Leia, not so much Luke, but it gives you a really great insight into what the world around the galaxy was dealing with, what they were dealing with post-Return of the Jedi, with the fall of the Empire, and really what the remnant of the Empire was doing in that space, kind of filling in that old original Thrawn trilogy but with not so much fanfare and love around it. So some people, this is, I guess Chuck Wendig rubs some people the wrong way, and this books weren't, I would say, universally praised within the fandom. I read through all three, or listened to all three, and I enjoyed them. I just felt when you compare them directly to the Thawne trilogy, which was heavily focused on Luke, Leia, and the follow-up to what those characters were doing, this just didn't give us enough of that. But all in all, I think it was it was relatively well received. But it did introduce this character of Cobb Vanth, 
who was a sheriff on Tatooine in this place called, I think it was Freetown. And he was just this self-appointed sheriff, this very Clint Eastwood type of character that bought Boba Fett's armor, his discarded armor from the Sarlacc pit from a group of Jawas. And so it looks like Timothy Olyphant is going to be filling that role, wearing the Fett armor, apparently. Apparently he filmed scenes with the Fett armor. So, Troy, let's put some Damn spin it. on this, man. Cobb Vance, mm-hmm. I know you're familiar with the character mm-hmm. and the idea that he becomes a sheriff wearing that Mandalorian armor. Do you think that Timur Morrison is now just simply playing Rex? Is he is he playing a Boba Fett with new upgraded armor, potentially? Is that character that we saw, again, spoilers for Mandalorian here. Hopefully that goes without saying. But that character that we saw in the gun, Gunslinger episode that mm-hmm. we thought, that we speculated even last week was Boba Fett. Is this Cobb Vanth? Like, what do you think of this casting? What do you think of this character coming in? And what does this mean for the conversation we had last week with regards to Boba Fett? Yeah. Well, um, okay, so going to the Gunslinger episode, you know, thinking more and more about it, um, because I've kind of been on the camp, I think I said last time, I believe 100% that... Um, TM is coming back as Rex more so than Boba mm-hmm. Fett. But if we do get Boba Fett, it makes perfect sense. But, you know, thinking about it, um, I like the idea of uh, Bo-Katan possibly being the one um, that's kind of behind the scenes there. Maybe she's the one that's kind of collecting things, especially with her ties to the Darksaber. Yeah, And then what we get, obviously, at the end of the, the whole series there, or at least for that season. So it could be possibly her. Um this is something, though, this news, this is cool, the casting is great, but this is kind of something that I wish we got to see unfold in the show, in season two. I kind of wish we didn't get this, yeah. this spoiler, because I think this would have been kind of cool. Like, I know um, Chuck Wendig's book wasn't that well-received, and to be honest, like, I didn't read all of the books, but the highlight always stood out, which was um, the character that found the Boba Fett armor. That was, like, yeah. the highlight of the whole thing. So it's cool that they're taking that one piece and diving more into it. Um, getting that Tatooine setting, which would be just fantastic. So I think that's cool, and I'd like to see what they're going to do with that character. But I think if we're getting this, I think the chances are we're probably going to get Boa Fett more so maybe season three. Maybe yeah. we don't get him this season, and if anything, he's going to be the buildup for for a season three. Um, so that's kind of where I stay with this as of right now. I, I So again, I think we're getting Rex in this i think we're getting bo katan might be that that shadow figure and i think uh this is the right step of taking this little piece of chuck winding's aftermath is book one wasn't it when we got this whole i think it does i might be wrong here it's definitely book one it was introduced but Mm -hmm. it may that story may span into the other books the subsequent books Mm -hmm. but because there was just like these so i guess what they did in the book or i know what they did in the book is they have this main arc with some really great characters, actually, like Bones and you know the, the young kid and all that, some really great characters. But they're these brief, I don't even know what you call them, they're kind of interludes, which tells this random story from different parts of the galaxy. And so you get bits and pieces for what the aftermath of the fall of the Empire looks like in different parts of the galaxy. And this is just a small, like you'd have to really get through the books to actually find this. It's not the easiest thing. It's not like it's a huge arc in the book. It's just really a couple little snippets from it that you get this character. And I always get this, like, like I said, this Clint Eastwood, like 
twirling type of you know gunslinger looking guy and i believe timothy olfan he was in what was he in he was a gunslinger or some he's in deadwood wasn't he deadwood yeah deadwood yeah yeah yeah. and so he kind of had where he wears the hat and all that and so yeah it it feels right to me yeah and and i agree with you that this is i think classic felony i'm looking at here like i feel these characters are gonna have such minor parts for all the fanfare that they're getting all the discussion all the airtime that they're getting for these these leaks or these you know rumored cameos i'll call them even if that and that they're building something way bigger you know are they building a boba fett show for disney plus are they building this are these all backdoor pilots Mm-hmm. for these characters and then we're just gonna get tiny snippets here in the same way that we got kind of the ice cream maker right <laughs> that it's just acknowledging a piece of star wars yep. and it's on the screen for a split second and it's just like that is really cool yep. you know timothy oliphant coming in for you know a you know maybe 10 scenes over two episodes that amounts to four minutes of screen time yeah. You know what I mean? Like it could be something as simple as that. Carlos, you know, what do you, what's your take here on Oliphant and the potential to bring in this character? And it would be one of the first times that they're yanking out a character from, you know, the written word of Star Wars or new canon Star Wars and plunking him into live action. Uh, you know what? I'm kind of excited about it. Like listening to you guys talk through it and whatnot. At first, I didn't know what to make of it all. Um, I know in the DM, I was a little confused because I thought, he was playing Boba Fett, and so it didn't. The math didn't add up for me. But <laughs> um, yeah, once you explained it to me that he was actually playing a guy who just acquires the armor, it, it's cool. And like what Troy and you were talking about with him being a bit of this sheriff in the untamed lands of some planet, it sounds pretty neat. Um, but as Troy was going through that rundown of all the different characters, I agree with you, man. Like I think that a lot of this is planting the seeds for at least one backdoor pilot like i'm fairly sure that ahsoka's time on that show is going to be pretty Mm short-lived it'll be like grant gustin's flash showing up on arrow for two episodes just to kind of some framework in for his own show right um i think in my mind's eye i had kind of when they made that announcement i thought oh it's going to be kind of the two of them teamed up for a large portion of season two but not anymore so yeah yeah i'm uh, i'm curious to see where it goes and like the character the way you guys described him he sits feel seems like he'll fit right into that mandalorian world so yeah i'm there for it i think it'll mm. be cool yeah. yeah it's it's another one of these organic pulls from star wars like we talked about last week is we don't want this to feel like they're shoehorning in something for the fanfare or to kind of raise the bar for the Mandalorian. The Mandalorian's done that itself. These feel like really natural characters that fit into an arc that's already established. It's yeah. not like they're going to veer away to Tatooine to get this guy to get Boba Fett. So, you know what I mean? It's it's yeah. That's already established that something like that is going on. And that there's a bigger arc because they've teased it, right? Mm-hmm. They've teased that that armor. They've teased the Kling and Klang. And, and this seems like a, just a natural way to continue to evolve the wider universe around the Mandalorian. It's not like we're going to veer off to Tatooine, which seems kind of like a weird way to go just to get this in. No, we already did that. We had that moment in the show when I was like, like I was freaking out <laughs> when they talk, start talking about Mos Eisley and all that. Like, but yeah. and that was awesome. But this isn't going to feel shoehorned into me. This is going to feel very natural, which is what I like about this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what we talked about last week. This isn't Luke Skywalker coming in here all of a sudden and showing up. Mm-hmm. And just and then did veering off into some other totally different story for a while. This is all part of what appears to be a much broader and bigger plan, which, frankly speaking, I think Star Wars is really going to benefit from in the long run. 
Yeah, no, and I think this is a really cool thing because when you go back to 2015, I think, when we basically, not we, I'm not part of Star Wars, but basically when um, Lucasfilm and Disney decide to shut down all the extended universe books and basically going forward and make every book canon, the books have been cool. Like, you know, coming from that era of um, Lords of the Sith, which is one of my all-time favorites, um, Claudia Gray's Lost Stars, obviously, Catalyst, all these cool books that were coming out the biggest thing is we're all like, we want to see these characters in live action and we weren't mm-hmm. getting any of that. Yeah. And you just mentioned it. Now we're getting this guy who's from not even like one of the best well-received books, but we're getting him because he was, he had such a cool role in that book, at least with what he brought to that armor that we're now getting that live action in 2020. So cool. It's so cool. And we're there. We've made it now. So it's going to be great to see like the response of what the fan base gives and going forward, seeing more of that. Cause you know, I think it was until 2016's rogue one, when we got the chopper and the Sarah or the, the, the hero. hero. Yeah. Uh, Sindula uh, reference, which just, you know, blew us all the way. We got the saw you know, being brought from the clone wars into rogue one as well. And then catalyst. So those are kind of been really cool Easter eggs, but I think this might be one of the bigger ones, not just, not necessarily in character wise, but just bringing it from a book, a novel, to live action, I think that's a big win, and I just hope we see more of that going forward. Yeah, because look, you could do a Doctor Afra series on Disney Plus yeah. very easily. It's oh. like it's like Indiana Jones with a yeah. great character that's established with a couple crazy droids. Like yeah. that seems like custom made for live action Disney Plus. Definitely, like, it's like the adventure aspect of it all, and you could do the same thing where you're tying in little pieces of Star Wars lore, like even the Vader stuff. That are, yeah. is part of her early on kind of the where she started in the comic books yeah it's it's great great stuff and it's it's another character you could pull straight out of the comic books and dump her into something that feels star wars feels natural but it's something new something new something we've never had live action which would be really cool yeah exactly so great things to come here mandalorian just seems to be you know keeping us salivating here what season two is by the sounds of it everything's filmed and this is still slated to be released in october which is really great news you know short of maybe some pickup stuff it sounds like most of this has been you know at least from a principal photography perspective it's been shot they're working on the extras and fingers crossed we get to actually see this when it was supposed to come out, one of the few things in 2021 or 2020, I should say, that is actually going to come out in the year and the time it was supposed to. So our next topic here that we're going to talk about is something that has been kicking around the internet since 2017. It's now 2020. This is the Snyder Cut, guys. And <laughs> this 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 isn't meant to to rub anyone the wrong way, this conversation that we're going to have. You know, we're not out here to to pick sides or anything like that. We're just going to give our honest opinions on, on the Snyder Cut and what it's evolved from and what it's evolved to. At this point, you know, you've seen the conjecture online, the back and forth. You know our opinions here if you've been listening to us long enough. And if you don't know them, go back to our Batman vs. Superman, Justice League, Wonder Woman, Aquaman reviews. They're all there in the archives. And you can hear our thoughts, our immediate thoughts in those films. And yes, those thoughts do evolve over time as you experience films in different fashions, different cuts, different extended versions, whatever. You know, recontextualization in a follow-up film also helps big time in some of these. And so the DC Extended Universe itself, is it's been, the framework of it was set up by Zack Snyder with 2013's Man of Steel. You know, a film that all three of us, really, all four of us actually really enjoy for the most part. You know, there's some elements of it that, yeah, give or take, it, it doesn't really fit or suit the character of Spider-Man, or Spider-Man Superman. Mm-hmm. But it does, for the most part, get you across the finish line with Superman in a real and different way. 
know, when I first watched Man of Steel, I was I was quite intrigued coming off the back end of the Nolan trilogy of Batman. This this fit that space, right? From a reboot perspective. And then we get down the line here and we've got Snyder take the helm of the DC Extended Universe in a real big way, leading to, you know, Troy, you always look back at this, you know, quite fondly, that announcement, right, from SDCC. Oh. Like when they when they threw out there, it's like the Superman logo. Everyone thinks it's Man of Steel 2. And then, boom, you got the Bat logo going over top oh. of that. Like, huge. Carlos, man, you must have been going nuts at that point. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I was died in the wool. Like, that that absolutely blew my mind. And that right. they're reading that yeah. passage dialogue from yeah. Dark Knight the, Returns. The and... general reading it, right? Uh, I yeah. Was, I think he came out reading the uh, reading it, that, that bit. It was somebody with an amazing voice for yeah. <laughs> yeah it's, it's a long time ago now, right? Yeah, yeah. But yeah, uh, yeah, no that uh, that gave me goosebumps and mm. man, I was all in, all yeah. in for that. And so that was probably sometime in 2015 or 14 that they announced that. Yeah, this was coming off the heels of Man of Steel, mm-hmm. and then the momentum that that gained, kind of this rebooted franchise, and this gave us the insight that DC Warner Brothers was crafting this connected universe where they're taking characters your henry cavill superman and now layering it into a bigger universe you know there's very few hints in man of steel of that wider universe you know with regards to to batman to wayne corp i believe or whatever it was um, wayne enterprises with the satellite and so there's some hints there but this is the you know the first big step in the same direction that Marvel Studios had gone with regards to this connected cinematic universe and kind of the praise that was being heaped on that and DC now following suit. You know, this this leads us to, you know, the addition of Ben Affleck as as Batman, as Gal Gadot, as Wonder Woman, Ezra Miller, Jason Momoa, you know, now mainstays with regards to some of these characters with, with Aquaman and Gal Gadot in particular. And this announcement that Batman vs. Superman was coming, you know, in a different format, then we've seen Marvel Studios craft their universe where they chose to do individual solo films and build up to a crossover. They went almost straight into that ensemble epic with Batman vs. Superman. And then Batman vs. Superman happened, guys. And this this changed the game a little bit with regards to the DC Extended Universe. And I would say that I'll be putting it lightly if I would say the reviews were were mixed and the reception was mixed with regards to Batman vs. Superman. It was an extremely polarizing film upon its release. You know, seeing a hard subset of fandom support this thing to no end and then another subset of fandom, you know, go the other way. The critics panned this thing. It's like sub-25% Rotten Tomatoes. And it really, you know, causes major riff in that DC world. And that really was the catalyst to what eventually is now the Snyder Cut because as this was being released, Zack Snyder, who had been hired on to create, I guess, what would be a pseudo-trilogy within, if not more, within the DC Extended Universe, you know, Man of Steel, Batman vs. Superman, and Justice League, he's well into production on Justice League at this point when the first reception to Batman vs. Superman is coming across the table at Warner Brothers. And so I remember this happening and guys jump in here like this is starting to put big question marks on this what you know Justice League is supposed to be that Avengers film, you know, 2012's Avengers set the bar and the expectation was that Batman vs Superman really handing the baton to Justice League was supposed to exceed that. Big time. This was supposed to be the big build up. 
But the big buildup came across only a few films. Batman vs. Superman, we had Wonder Woman in there, a Suicide Squad film that really didn't contribute much to that Justice League universe. And now we're going straight into Justice League. And things started to get a bit rocky there. Like, do you guys, Ricardo, do you remember when all this was happening and Justice League, you know, the ins, the outs, the, you know, it's being shut down, it's being changed. Do you remember this all happening kind of real time? I remember it vividly. Like I could tell you where I was sitting when I got bits of pieces of news and when gears were shifting and um, producers were moving in, producers were moving out, where messages are coming out of the creative folks and some of those messages being embraced and endorsed. Like, yeah, I, I remember all of this stuff. And, uh, yeah, you know, they, they had a plan and there's no denying the artistry and the craftsmanship that went into BVS and they had a vision, but like when your wider audience didn't embrace that vision the way they thought it was going to, and when your critical reception wasn't what it, they thought it was going to be, there's a need to change gears, right? So, um, yeah, I, I remember that going down, and you had the tragedy of Zack Snyder's mm, daughter kind of mixed sad. in there too, and that really muddies the water as to everything happening, but. Uh, yeah, I I remember that well, and like people would be loath to admit it, but like pre the Avengers in 2012, like there was a time where the Justice League was infinitely more popular and had way more name recognition than the 100%. Marvel superheroes. It was like Batman, Superman, Spider Man, and then the Justice League, like X Men, X Men. Yeah, yeah. it's huge. Yeah. yeah, they were they were the pillars, right? And yeah. you know when. When Iron Man three pulls in more movie, more money than your big versus movie that you've been hyping up since Will Smith's I Am Legend, mm -hmm. <laughs> there's there's a cause to reassess and take stock. So yeah, yeah, what it, it is. Was, uh. It was a crazy time, and that was that that reassessment and that change was for Justice League in particular was more or less done on the fly. You know, you touched on you know the unfortunate tragedy that Zack Snyder was dealing with at the time all this was going on and he chose to step away from this and Warner Brothers brought in Joss Whedon mm -hmm. and he was the one that picked up some of the pieces here from what was going on with Justice League because Zack Snyder had finished principal photography at this point and Whedon was brought in to apparently put on some of the finishing touches of the film of Justice League kind of get it across the finish line but looking back at this and, you know, how this has evolved over the last three to four years, you know, this has been, you know, chronicled quite deeply. When other, whether it's just on Twitter or everywhere else, you know, there's a lot of, you know, bits and pieces that fall out of this. And apparently, or apparently Whedon came with an 80-page rewrite on this, you know, tweaking characters, giving other characters more screen time, taking away. Like, we had the first trailer for Justice League, which was a Snyder Cut trailer that told some story and had some images that never appeared in the actual film that we saw theatrically. Now, this isn't unusual. We saw this in Avengers. You look at the first Infinity War trailer, and they're all running in that forest. That would never end the, that was a trailer shot, right? But when you dig more and more into this, a lot of that version or that version of Snyder's cut, his original Justice League cut, never found its way to the theatrical release. And this is what kind of leads us down into the Snyder cut. You know, this rumored cut of Justice League 
that followed up or was more of a direct follow-up when it comes to narrative to Batman vs. Superman and had Snyder's vision, but was likely a much darker vision. And over the last, what, guys, like two years, a year or so, Snyder's really picked up his contributions to what is now maybe a real cut of this film by releasing concept art ideas the fact that and confirming that it actually exists Mm -hmm. in some capacity this three and a half hour cut of justice league and you know he he's been one that has been stoking this fire you know and at times i would even say throwing gasoline on this fire Mm -hmm. to to get this cut you know to see the light of day and it, it's 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 wound up in like four years, like I said, of conjecture back and forth. Is it real? Is it not? And it's kind of really coming to a head here. You know, whether, you know, I, I don't care what side you're on in all this. You know, I think both sides are at fault here in some in some form for how this has all been approached. And maybe there's a better path to getting the Snyder cut, if you will, in its entirety. But at the end of the day, it seems that, that Warner Brothers, at least this is the rumor, that they've come to some conclusion that they're going to release this in some capacity. And it does appear to be a miniseries on HBO Max. And a miniseries in the sense where it looks like they're going to, at least this is from what I can gather, they're going to cut this film up, this three-and-a-half-hour film, into like 40-minute episodes would be my guess and show this over six episodes or something to that effect, whatever the math works out to, to giving you a full Snyder cut on HBO Max, being one of the pillars for this launch in the DC space. You know, they're lacking. We talked about this before with HBO Max. They're lacking kind of a pillar draw that isn't content that we've already seen or that is building out a library, at least that I'm aware of. There's some things that... They've announced Looney Tunes show and a few other things that are coming, but maybe not at release. This is something that potentially could be at or just beyond release with regards to HBO Max, which I think is slated to come out in the next couple of weeks, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, it's like next week or the week after. Yeah. And so, so guys, Troy, what's your take on, on the Snyder Cut itself? You know, do we want to see it? You know, I know we're not going to get into the depths and details of the back and forth of Twitter, the internet, the fandom, the space that it's existed in for the last three, four years. But let, let's just look at this thing and assume that this rumor is correct, that mm-hmm. the Snyder Cut, one, exists, which, you know, I and I fully admit, I've been one of the people that said, hell, this thing doesn't exist, or they should just put a documentary, uh, the Snyder should just put a self-funded documentary on the construction of this film and what it was, what it was meant to be, show some concept art and be done with it. I've been a big proponent of that. Just like, let's, let's put this thing, let's end it. But, you know, we're apparently getting it. You know, d- you know, does Warner Brothers have something to gain from this? This, you know, what does this do to the continuity that they've been stepping back from in the DC Extended Universe anyways? You know, we're showing something that apparently is going to be very, very different. You know, could be up to two plus hours of footage that we never saw theatrically. Like, what's what's your take on all this? Yeah, oh, no, it's it's a lot to <laughs> it's, a lot. <laughs> uh, it's a lot to unpack. But um, yeah, I, I, me too. I was in the camp of never believing this cut existed. I thought if it existed, we would have got it at least at least a year after its initial theatrical or Blu-ray release. Um, but with the strong fan base that it has, and with like you mentioned, Zack Snyder out there waving the flag, um, 
I do believe it exists now, obviously, and and it, and it really started to pique my interest more because I mean I was one that actually didn't mind this movie. I thought it was actually okay, but I mean if you have more story to tell and more Snyder um, involvement, because I was a big fan of the uh, Man of Steel film, then then bring it on. And if now I'm hearing that we're going to get a mini series, oh man, I'm all in. I'd love to see the more depth of the story and the different direction that they were going to go. Um, my only thing is, though, I mean, rumor or not, I don't believe it would be a release. I don't believe this would be like your your launch title for an HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, one, I mean, depending whether this film's done or not, but you'd have to imagine if this film is done, then you need to be marketing it now. You need to be yeah. marketing, you know, much like The Mandalorian. This thing was being marketed for like a year almost, right? We were getting the um, the press conferences and we were getting the trailers. I don't think the trailer was released publicly, but there were the trailers there for Celebration. Yeah. That was going on, right? And I feel like this would need much the same because as big as the Snyder Cut is, it's not huge. It's not the biggest platformer grabber that you're going to have like um, Netflix series out there and the Disney plus series out there. And, you know, even like what Amazon prime has been doing over there too. So I feel like the, the better way to handle this is, you know, if you are going to make it is just promote it. Don't, don't rush it. <laughs> I mean, because we've been waiting so long as is for this thing. Yeah. Take your time, just take your time, announce it, make it official, give us the trailer, but take your time. And when it delivers, it's going to, it's going to hit, it's going to deliver well, but don't bother rushing this out there if it's not ready is basically yeah. what I'm going at with this. Yeah. And like presumably there's they gotta be putting money or funneling money into it in some capacity. Like they're not yeah. gonna show something that's half done or no. needs sound mixing or visual effects. You know, it's it's something that, you know, guys, everyone from Jason Momoa to Gal Gadot to Ben Affleck has said exists in some capacity. Even Momoa is out today on Instagram dropping F bombs saying like release the damn thing. <laughs> and so like Carlos, goddamn Batman, man, you gotta have an opinion on on this. You know, what's your take on the approach here, and what we're actually gonna see on HBO Max if we actually do see this thing? Yeah, well, much like Troy, like I I liked what we got in the theatrical cut. Like I understand that it was it wasn't the grand film that the Justice League deserves, but it was the required pivot for the reasons that I mentioned before with uh, the film that preceded it. But uh, my thing, like I've said to you guys before, is the Justice League deserved better. Like, if that theatrical cut of Justice League was going to be the one that Warner Brothers hangs its hat on, they should have delayed it a bit, let Joss Whedon really refine it, have, like, proper color correction, hammer home those special effects. The moustache. Yeah, showcase those characters uh, for the icons that they are. But that, that didn't happen, and we got something that, you know, felt a little unfinished uh, as a final product. And um, as far as the Snyder Cut goes, like, I'm here for it. Like, I'm I'm open to something that's going to show these characters in a better, more refined light. Um, I just hope that there's a bit of thought put into what lasting impact this is going to have on the characters and the continuity in the universe or if it's going to be something that just has a disclaimer in front of every episode saying 2017 Zack Snyder's work on Justice League movie it was never released until now so be it it exists in its own pocket and uh, and off we go but there is a lot of interesting things that um, he's teased that were in that movie 
to be honest, the thing that got me the most excited was something that my wife pointed out uh, this morning was that allegedly there's only 30 minutes of theatrical footage in what they're putting out as Zack Snyder's Justice League. So, you know, if I get... insane when you think about it. Yeah. It's a whole whole other movie and a half that he filmed (laughs) that never saw the light of day. Yeah, the money that Warner Brothers put into this whole venture just astounds me. It's like, I could have saved you guys hundreds of millions of dollars if I said, don't shoot. Why don't we all get into a room and talk about what we want and where we need these things to be by the time our movie is released? Because I am convinced that never happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, yeah, no, I'm I'm cool with it. I, uh, I, I do agree with Troy that it seems a bit late in the game to have this as a service seller. But I don't know that um, HBO Max has been setting themselves up to be that, right? Like, no, <laughs> they have that J.J. Abrams show that he developed with um, uh, Jordan Peele. They haven't talked about that at all. I saw one trailer, and that's because I sought it out. And it's like set in a Lovecraft universe. Like, come on, that thing should be everywhere. You guys should have seen that trailer. 50 times by now, but I'm guessing this is the first time you've heard, I even heard about it. I've never even heard about it. <laughs> exactly. Abrams, Peel, Lovecraft. Like, yeah. Wow. But uh, yeah, and that's like a done deal. That's like a day one launch um, show. And as far as the money goes into pumping into finishing this thing off, you know what? Like, at this point, I, yeah, like you, you've paid a pile of money up front and the Snyder cut will generate more interest and get you in the cultural zeitgeist way more than so many of these other projects. Like that Lovecraft show I just talked about, what did that cost them? Like hell, just having the friends cast come in and talk to each other the same way you we're talking now, it's going to cost them like close to $20 million (laughs) just paying them to talk about their experience on the show. So you know, twenty million dollars towards polishing off Zack Snyder's version of Justice League. Cool. I'm curious to see what they do with some of the stuff that they never finished. Like, yeah. are they gonna CG render it out? Are they gonna? I don't think that they just have the animated storyboards and animatics. So, are you gonna do full animated sequences to convey bits of the story? And or maybe we'll just be blown away and be like, man, how did you guys spend this much money and just? throw it in a basement mm. yeah and yeah. That, that's going to be the most interesting thing about all of this like and i and i hear what you guys say is you know I, i'm there for it too I, I was the first person to take apart batman versus superman and i agree with you go back to a review of justice like i was quite favorable on it you know it's, it's to quote sunjay it was a step in the right direction you know i, I didn't mind the film it I, they had its points that i didn't like of course but it had a lot of bright spots in it and I think that they directionally they moved in a space where they're trying to make it more broadly appealing to to a much wider fan base, as you know Marvel was doing the same thing. Like they had a blueprint to follow, and and they relied on the guy that brought Avengers to the screen. You know I don't think that was an accident in any no. capacity that he was brought in to to complete that film or bring it across the finish line to give what Warner Brothers what the studio wanted this you know more broadly appealing film in justice league but i hear you i this is you know in and out of of the space it's been in this is an immensely interesting history behind a film like you don't see this that much you know i think the social media behind it has 
given this thing new life and credit to the individuals that kept this trending like for four years like yeah. there's there's like there's no film that i personally would have committed that much time to to making sure it saw the light of day so here it is you know it's coming of course i'm gonna watch this like i want to see like are you kidding me it's a three and a half hour film and three hours of it is brand new stuff that no one's ever seen before that's just that's unbelievable that's like all of Endgame not being on on screen you know what i mean like <laughs> it's including the credits like <laughs> it's insane to think that there's that much footage that was not used like that's insane that's a completely different movie yeah. which and yeah and that kind of the format sure it's it's kind of a cool way to do it that it's you know busted up into to series and so it's going to be about how where they end it so it feels a bit like a series so they've got to dump some money into this thing so it's going to be really interesting to see how this comes out and how this comes off you know is this going to be the greatest superhero epic of all time or is it going to fall flat like batman for superman my guess is it's going to be somewhere in between it's going to have people that really love it and it's going to have its detractors at the same time but nobody will admit that it's somewhere in between no it'll it's either gonna, it's it'll gonna... either be garbage or it's like oh my god this gave me the best longest lasting erections i've ever experienced <laughs> there it like, is there'll be no big old blue boners (laughs) exactly right back to dr manhattan (laughs) so yeah guys it's it's i i to be honest with you at this point just bring it on yeah enough like we've waited long enough like i've seen the hashtag for four years like let's get it done release the snyder cut and then change it to Snyder cut has been released i want a new one i don't know but let's just let's just see this thing we'll have an opportunity to watch it review it talk about it and everyone can move on <laughs> from this. <laughs> yeah, it's it's such a thing. Like, it's just amazing to me, right? And I don't know, for me, like, the proof is in the pudding. When you bring your two heavyweights out and you, you have a decent gross, but your reviews are what they are and you don't crack a billion bucks, but then you do an Aquaman movie and a Joker movie. I won't even cross the street and bring in those examples, <laughs> right? In your own house... You got two properties that uh, dust your flagship characters. I'm going to suggest that, you know, that movie didn't come off the way that the studio needed it to. So Not no. even a little bit. Like, no. just for a rough comparison, I threw this in here. It's hard to tell the difference between Ant-Man and the Wasps and Justice League's numbers. They are near identical. You know, Justice League tops it out in every category, but only by about $15 million. Well, and that goes back to what I've always said, right? Like the sequel film, no matter how superior it is, it always pays for the sins of the predecessor. Yeah, hundred right? percent. Yeah, this one did, you know, buy about four or five hundred million dollars. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, guys, to cap this episode off, we're gonna take that concept, that idea of revisiting a franchise that either took, you know, a bit of a right turn to something different, or really this franchise what if right like what if they took this direction you know that's what the snyder cut is really all about what if they took snyder's original cut and threw it in theaters you know what space would we be living in right now with regards to the dc extended universe if that cut saw the light of day in 2017 and we're gonna go back and just have some fun with this you know what if x franchise 
you know, didn't go down this path, where would we be with these franchises? And we're just going to kind of roundtable this, throw it around. You know, there's a, there's all kinds of films, you know, that had planned sequels, that had a direction that was abruptly changed from the original film to the sequel, you know. And what subsequently could we have gotten? You know, you look at things like John Carter, Divergent, Ender's Game, Green Lantern, Fantastic Four. Like, these are all franchises that were custom-built to have – a big audience to have multiple sequels, follow-ups, merchandise, everything. And a lot of these kind of just petered out after the first or second film. And Mm. we never really heard from them again. And then you have other examples where they started a franchise that went one direction and then it slowly changed into something else. And the franchise kind of died after that. And I don't want to give away all our examples here, but surely we're going to talk about a few of those in this discussion here. And I'm I'm going to toss it to Carlos first. Let's talk about a film franchise. So what if, you know, going back in time, let's say we have the capacity to influence change here. You know, where would you start? Where would you look to maybe go back, change change the past a little, and take a franchise on a different path? Uh, you know what? I'm going to go to the OG. I'm going to go to Tim Burton's Batman. Oh, yes, you are. Of course you are. And despite loving Batman Returns, like, that's that's my favorite. But that's not Batman. That's just Tim Burton's wacky world and you know edward scissorhands was built in the next lot over from wayne manor kind of thing right (laughs) but uh i despite batman returns being what batman returns was and being something cool that i that i do love i would love to know what sam ham's batman 2 was supposed Mm -hmm. to be so sam ham who wrote the original batman had actually written a sequel in which Vicky Vale is still Bruce Wayne's girlfriend. And it's been like years since I've read this thing. But yeah, the, the plot revolved around the Penguin trying to acquire a bunch of artifacts from all around Gotham City and Two-Face, like Billy D. Williams' version of Two-Face yeah, back into this thing. And um, I think Catwoman, like they either seeded Selena Kyle into the movie or she was a bonafide character throughout the whole thing. But... I would have loved to have seen that. Like, I always wondered what um, what would have happened with, like, why the decision to take all the big Batman-changing events with Vicky Vale learning who he was and everything else and then just taking it completely off the board and being like, ah, no, you got a new girlfriend now and whatnot. And then, of course, the biggest piece of that, Marlon Wayans is Robin. Like... Yeah, come on! Like, yeah. yeah, I can see that action figure sticking over Troy's shoulder you right now. You know it, man. You know the zipline, the zipline backpack, dude, all day. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I don't know. I Batman two, and then with that would come Tim Burton's Batman three, whatever that yeah. looked like. I, I know that uh, there's a story that he tells about going in to pitch. You know, Batman Returns was a financial success, but they're partners with places like mcdonald's weren't too high on the movie yeah um, they're trying to sell <laughs> happy meals and the penguin is groping people at his campaign headquarters kind of thing so <laughs> uh, burton riding high off the success of the film though waltzed into warner brothers execs pitching what was supposed to be batman 3 and uh they kind of said well Thanks for coming out. Here's a check for being an EP, but uh, we're going to go in a different direction. And we got forever. But I'd love to see what that was supposed to be as well. But uh, yeah. it's it's, yeah. it's crazy to think of the trajectory of Batman in that space. You know, if we didn't go Schumacher, you know, if Burton had to follow it up and completed a trilogy, 
you know, what what does 2005's reboot of Batman look like? Or what is the end of those Batman titles, you know, ending with Batman and Robin, which you know, for, for a good chunk of time, just put a nail in that coffin for a little bit for Batman. Like, we didn't see Batman on film for quite some time after that. You know, if Burton had a successfully put together a, a, a film series that was as well received as even, say, the first Batman and continued on with some sort of thread from there, you know, what does Batman look like now in that space? Yeah. You know, do we get Nolan's trilogy? And it, like, who knows? Maybe. But would we have actually seen Batman end at four? Like, would it have just continued in that space? And we would have never gotten that hard reboot of the character, which led to The Dark Knight and some of the best comic book and arguably the best comic book trilogy that has been put to film to date. Like, it's crazy yeah. to think about what, little small little tweak like this you know could have done for the batman universe it's always darkest before the dawn man those bleak days in 1997 yeah <laughs> take VNR, it back. but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right troy what are you gonna, what are you got to throw on the table here so we got batman or burton's batman yeah. revisiting that franchise what franchise where do you want to revisit here oh well you already know what it is i mean if we had the goddamn batman mentioned batman I'm going to go with my boy, Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah. So much potential. We were talking uh, online a little while back there. Um, and it's, it's some good debate. It's some good topics. Listen, hands down, the MCU Spider-Man, Spider-Man Homecoming. If anybody knows me, that is my pinnacle of Spider-Man. I love it. Fantastic. You can't do anything better. But the Amazing Spider-Man franchise, what they set up, despite the untold story aspect, which I didn't care for at all, I mean, you know, when you when you basically have Spider-Man, Peter Parker's um, parents be super spies, it takes away from the every ordinary man, right, of Peter Parker that we all know and love and relate to. But just besides that, I feel like Amazing Spider-Man 1 actually set up some really cool things and had some core fundamentals of the character of Peter Parker, Spider-Man. And the romance between him and Gwen Stacy was like no other. So when you go into Spider-Man 2 and, you know, this was a movie that was hyped up just like BVS. You know, the costume design was incredible. They nailed the eyes. Gwen basically had her signature outfit from that uh, from the issue where she died. The rhino at the time looked okay. The goblin stuff, they kind of saved for the last. And that's when things kind of started to go downhill. <laughs> Electro didn't look that great. But I feel like this movie could have been pretty cool. Um but basically what I would like to see, because every movie, every franchise kind of has the bump in the road. And I'm grateful for the Tom Holland Spider-Man. But I would have really liked to see a follow-up to this film. I would have liked to seen Spider-Man 3. Not the Sinister Six, but Spider-Man 3. And I would have liked to seen like um, Craven the Hunter. I would have liked to see Craven the Hunter yeah. be introduced in this film. And I would like to see, because after Spider-Man in this franchise has failed with Captain Stacy and uncle ben has passed and now gwen stacy has passed that would take a toll on a college kid peter parker so i would have actually liked to see peter kind of being in a little bit of a retirement actually kind of gone away from spider-man but you have somebody like craven who is obsessed with the hunt he's all about the hunt much like you know yeah. us on the cast and <laughs> but this guy's biggest hunt would be spider-man so this guy goes out of his way to go to the concrete jungle to bring spider-man out and he's hunting people down. He's calling this guy out to be like, look, you need to come back because I got to face you. And obviously you have Peter Parker. That's now going to have to, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. He's going to have to come back out. He's going to have to take down Craven. And, um, but, you know, being Peter Parker's luck, the Parker lucky with Peter Parker putting Spider-Man to the side, everything's actually 
going well for him. You know, he has a great relationship with Aunt May. He now works for, let's say, Horizon Labs. Everything's good, but now, now he has to be Spider-Man again, which is everything's going to go downhill, but he has to take on Craven. He has to beat him. I feel like there could have been some cool stuff. I feel like we could have had, like, a mentorship between Craven and Peter, bringing out the best in Peter, but also the worst. And then eventually, Peter, you know, obviously defeating Craven, and we could have gone further. We could get... um Obviously, Dr. Octopus involved later on. Not in the movie as Doc Ock, but you could have maybe uh, like Max Model and you could also have uh, Otto Octavius working mm-hmm. at Horizon Labs with Peter. Much like what we got in Spider-Man PS4, that relationship between Peter and Otto. It's been one perfect. of the best we've seen. You know, there could have been some cool things and we could totally get away from the Goblin stuff. That Goblin stuff basically ended in the Spider-Man 2 down the road, if they want to go the Sinister Six, we could get Hobgoblin, which is, you know, in the animated universe back in the day, he was actually better, I think, than Green Goblin. So there's a lot of cool things, but I would have loved to see a live action Craven, Spider-Man going at it just hard. But a Spider-Man that's kind of down on his luck, but also being on the highest end of his luck. So. Yeah. Well, and ah. just in, in the same space that we just talked about with the Burton universe, you know, what trajectory that would have put Batman on for the future. Like, imagine the few tweaks to Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man, which led to a sequel to that in some capacity, amazing Spider-Man three, some of the ideas you have bringing Craven for the first time on the screen, you know, does that, does that change the model for Spider-Man and do we never get him entering the MCU? Like given well-received financially successful Spider-Man two and a Spider-Man three announcement, is there a need for Sony to hand over some of the creative control to hand over the IP to allow the MC to use, and do we not get Spider-Man in Civil War, Homecoming, Endgame, Infinity? You know, like does that character just become non-present in the MCU? You know, Troy, this this is your dude, right? Your yeah. that your representation that you love, yeah. but I f- like you said, like a few tweaks, mm-hmm. and Sony may have never given up that freedom or that IP, that control of the creative control of that IP back to Marvel Studios to use in their own films. Like that that could have been made even just Civil War completely different, let alone the follow-up individual solo films and the Avengers films. Like it's it's crazy that something so small changed the whole outlook of the MCU in a oh, big big huge. way. It'd be huge. Yeah, yeah, you know, no Tom Holland in there, you know, Civil War that moment in Infinity War obviously when he yes. fades, like that's all well gone it's huge it's <laughs> yeah huge. so yeah. it would have been something else but you know it's it's interesting too because we did see some sort of relationship forming a little bit before too right um i think going back to music spider-man one there was talks yeah. of having the avengers tower in there yes there avengers was. even having norman Os or oscorp mm-hmm. in there i mean I, I i still even believe um when we did when we did when sony decided to pull the plug on that universe um I always did. I was always in the camp that they still could have made that Andrew Garfield semi work in the world of the MCU. It would have been a little bit harder to do, but I still feel like they could have done something like that going forward. It might have been a bit messy after mm-hmm. Amazing Spider-Man Two. It like to be honest with you, it was contained enough, and that was something that yeah. I think that we had issues with. That it felt like you know Norman Osborn created every single villain. Yeah. In that universe, but it was contained enough that you could realistically say this was happening over here and the effects felt in the MCU weren't that grand because it was so isolated here. Right. But it just seems that the way everything was received, it just, it didn't work. 
Yeah. And it went into a hard reboot only a few years after the release. Like this thing got rebooted almost right away. It didn't have yeah. a 10 year hiatus, didn't have a five year hiatus before yeah. they started really crafting what this character is going to look like in the future. I was convinced yeah. they were going to use Miles Morales in the MCU for a long time. That's right. That's right. Yeah, a lot of people wanted that. That's a big, big push, mm-hmm. which would have been pretty cool. Which, I mean, we still might see. We we have his uncle in the universe, he's, so he's, he's, he's around the corner. He's live action somewhere soon. Like, they yeah. can't leave that character off the big screen for too long. Like, no. the reception from Into the Spider-Verse, like, it's, yeah. it's coming. Yeah. It's coming for sure. Ironically, the MCU is what killed that amazing Spider-Man franchise because had they not been so successful and yeah. Sony trying to rush, they did the same thing Warner Brothers did where it's like, <laughs> how do we shortcut this thing? And it's like, well, like you said, Norman Osborn created all your your villains. Yeah. And if they had had the patience to just have Electro or the Osborns in yeah. Amazing Spider-Man 2 uh, instead of the Rhino electro and then tack on like the movie felt like it was done by the time the green goblin shows up kind of yeah. thing right so well then he walks through the vaults at the end of the it's got like the octopus are like auto octavius yeah. arms he's walking through that thing and it's just like well there's villain for three there's villain yeah. for four there's villain for five yeah. like we already know where this is all going yeah yeah they're, they're dropping felicity too or, or yeah. felicia so black cat we saw i think it's either in a trailer or in the movie but you see the venom you know, pop up yeah. on the computer screen yeah. or symbiont. So they were just popping everything, oh, yeah. throwing everything at you. It was, <laughs> but it was all in that one tower. <laughs> it was yeah. all in that one tower. Yeah. Like everything, the whole yeah. universe was there. Right? <laughs> well, and that's half of why you needed the stupid Richard Parker storyline tacked to it yeah. too, right? To yeah. motivate Peter through the whole thing. Like, uh, yeah, it was. It would have been interesting to see what. Well, just like so many things, yeah. what that movie and that series would have been had Mark Webb been able to. Just yeah. take the time and let things breathe yeah. and yeah. no unencumbered and let it grow naturally as opposed yeah. to here's our universe map. Yeah. yeah. Which which I feel like, you know, Mark Webb, because he delivered on the first one, I feel like there's a lot of studio interference. We had a lot of um, Amy Pascal and uh, what's his name? Arad. Arad, yeah. yeah, right? Which, oh. yeah, so we had a lot of interference on the executive's end. You could feel it in that one, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and that's like at the same time, like you said, Carl, it's like this is when the MCU is really getting getting hot and everyone's like, how do we, like you said, shortcut this? Yeah. Let's get to a cinematic universe as quickly as possible. Yeah. You know, and not, not and you know, you're taking the shortcut, but then you're also taking all these bumps on the way. You know, the MCU, as much as it's praise, it went through some early bumps there, right? Yeah. That are now, for the most part, forgotten. But some of those early films, you know, had some issues. You know, even the follow-up to Avengers, the two follow-up films, are probably the two films that aren't, are probably the, the most poorly received in the MCU. But then you look at Iron Man 3, and it was the top-trending film on Netflix this past weekend. So, who knows? <laughs> is it on Plus? I want to ask you guys that. Is it on Disney Plus and Netflix right no. now? Like if you, it's funny because I went to put on Infinity War on Dis- Disney Plus. I know it's not yeah. Iron Man three, but I think it's the same thing. Yeah. It it says this film is coming at May twenty sixth because of existing like stuff. So I don't know if a bunch of them are going to jump over on yeah. in May at the end of May here to Disney Plus from from Netflix. But Infinity War is in that space, and I think Iron Man three is as well. That's weird because okay. wasn't Iron Man three on Disney Plus and then left? Because I don't remember it being on Netflix. Don't... For a bit. It popped like for some reason it got a ton of hype on Netflix this past yeah, weekend. It popped up. It just popped yeah. up on Netflix. For some reason it wasn't on Netflix for a while and then it just like popped back up. 
So I, I have no idea if there's some weird licensing thing. And I don't know if it's just in Canada. Yeah. So I uh, don't know. But, okay, yeah. I'm, I'm going to throw a franchise at you guys here. All right. X-Men 2000s. So we had X1 come out in yeah. year 2000, followed up by one of the most widely praised and, you know, pillar comic book movie films when it comes to kicking off this genre in the space that we exist now with X2. And then it's followed up by 2005's X-Men Last Stand, directed by Brett Ratner, which saw, in my opinion, and we can debate this a bit, a radical departure from the quality and the storytelling that we saw in X2. It seemed like all of a sudden we had to rush to Dark Phoenix. We had to rush Wolverine in a space. James Marsden's Cyclops was exited oh. abruptly because of, you know, I believe it was the Superman Returns filming yeah. and overshoots yeah. and all that. So he was all of a sudden gone, and Magneto felt like a bit of an odd character. We got the yeah. Cure shoved in here, Juggernauts in here. It's like I'm the they- Juggernaut. You know, yeah. and then he, say, he curses. I'm not going to curse, but you know what he says. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. Um, and it, it just felt like we had this epic that was X2 and then this major veer into what felt like a poorly constructed cartoon episode of X-Men just trying to shove so many storylines to get to what at the time was the concluding chapter of a trilogy. Like, that was, for the longest time, thought of you get three films to tell a story. You know, now we're veering into you get four, five, six, however many you want, and you can continue this across multiple franchises. But in that space, the early 2000s, when all this was kicking up, the, the trilogy was the storytelling. That was the narrative that you had to span your story, and it felt like they tried to do so much. Like, they teased at the end of X2, if you remember. They teased Dark Phoenix, right? Like, when the yeah, water collapses, the yeah. Yeah, the river, and you yeah. see... The, the the big the phoenix come up in the spray it's like okay yeah. they've teased that but it, it felt like so ab- an abrupt change of pace you know whether it's the creative behind it the director or whatever what they were trying to do it was it was it just felt so off for me and that goes to the reception of it right there's some moments in there like i love beast in that film and there's there's some pivotal moments in there but at the same time, the follow-up to what's considered, you know, especially in that early phase, that you know, pre-modern era of comic books, it's considered one of the best in X two, and then yeah. we don't we don't even see Nightcrawler, right? Oh. Like in, in this next film, like where did yeah. Nightcrawler go? He's like one of the highlights of X two. The character's not even game. there. Yeah, <laughs> they did a video game with him and Iceman. It's like a spinoff. <laughs> Like you never see them in part yeah. three. It was so and then weird. <laughs> three, you take you basically take Rogue off the map, who the whole franchise was built around. Like she yeah. was the main character for one and two, and then yeah. she's just off in a line for most of three. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she gets the cure, right? Yeah, like yeah. It's, it's it was just such a departure. And I look back, you know, if Brian Singer, you know, notwithstanding who Brian Singer is now, but like if that direction had to or that creative had been allowed to progress from X2 to X3 with the promise that, sure, there could be an X4. And this story wasn't rushed. It was craft. You brought in the beast. like You built out what was should have been that 92 X-Men in some capacity. Like, we never saw Gambit. Like, we didn't get anything with Slim there, Troy. Like, it oh, was... And so, like, where would X-Men have been if X3 was up to the standard and quality that we got in X2? You know, with some leading thing that we're gonna eventually gonna get to a proper Dark Phoenix. Like we had a Dark Phoenix storyline, and we know we're never in space. 
It yeah. just, to me, it was just like, let's like the source material out the window and let's just do something, get to screen and get it as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. I, I just, what could have been for the X-Men, you know? And, and in an essence, we got, I guess a follow-up to this with days of future past and the characters coming back and Wolverine getting all these different spots and Logan and all this disconnected universe. But this did lead to the rebooted franchise that we got with first class again, quite highly praised, you know, in the absence of a, what I'm going to say a failure with X three. Do we just continue with this franchise and never get McAvoy, never get Fassbender in those roles, you know? And so it's, it's interesting. You know, we just looked at two franchises that changed the trajectory of a character and potentially we got something different, maybe something better in some cases with Nolan, with MCU Spider-Man, but if we didn't get first class, we didn't get Days of Future Pass, and we're not going to ignore the other two that came out after that. You know, there, there's consequences on both sides of this. You know, I really like the, the McAvoy Fastbender stuff, but I would have maybe preferred to see what this, this 2000s universe could have done. No, it would have been interesting. I, I feel like they would have definitely, um, I feel like the X-Men franchise is definitely one that could have been pushed further than obviously the the trilogy. I feel like we could have got like a mm-hmm. good six films at least out of this. Um and you know, look how long uh, Patrick Stewart played oh, the yeah. character and and McKellen as well. I feel like these guys would have wrote it all the way out. Um we would have continued obviously with the Dark Phoenix because honestly, after X-Men 2, the Dark Dark Phoenix was cursed. Like they, they just could, they couldn't get it whether they want to go into space, whether they want to try it organically, whether they want to incorporate her with Apocalypse. They they just butchered it, and it just it's probably never going to happen again live action. Like I think no, that's I don't it. Think so I've tried <laughs> and, it twice and it didn't work either time. Yeah, and and I think they're better for it. But I mean that Jean Grey, I forgot the actress's name. I thought she was great, even in that movie. I thought she was she had that fierceness to her, which is what I've been wanting out of. Um, out of uh, Jean Grey for so long. And um, you're right. It did take a toll where it did really start to become the Wolverine show. And I think that was also another factor that kind of hurt it because you had this director come on board and he's like, Hey, everybody loves Wolverine. He's the, he's like the best thing. So let's just make this the Wolverine show instead of being like, and obviously there's some conflict going on with, um, with Cyclops, the actor and, and Superman returns, but well, man, this is the X-Men. There's so many other characters you could have pulled from to continue this story because it's all about the ensemble. It's exactly. not about what, exactly. It's not even close about what we're so yeah, is 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 unfortunate. There were some little interesting effects there, but I really feel like we could have gone deep. Yeah, X-Men 4. X4 sounds dope. We could have got X-Men 4, X-Men 5, X-Men 6, and we still could have gone the spin-offs cuz they were always talking about these spin-offs, the Magneto mm-hmm. story, the Wolverine story, the Gambit film. Uh, we, we, yeah, there, there's just so much they could have done. Definitely. Yeah. It's, it's, it's wild. What could have been? Yeah. I like that pick though, man. Ah, yeah. yeah. I almost like if X3 comes off well, yeah. And then they do X-Men origins Wolverine properly. Mm-hmm. Like I would almost prefer having a dedicated Magneto story because like, those parts of X-Men first class where it's like Eric Lencher, yeah. Nazi hunter. Oh, those are some of the best comic book movie things out there. So if we got like just a full, um, Magneto eventually meets like survives the Holocaust, eventually meets professor Xavier movie. And that was it. You don't yeah. need any students or anything. You maybe no. tease one at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, well, it could have been amazing. 
I'm going to guess because there was originally supposed to be an Origins Magneto. I'm going to guess that they they trimmed from the script that was Origins Magneto and dumped that into first class. Yeah, that's exactly what happened is yeah. it morphed into that. And part of that was also the the failure of X-Men Origins. Yes, Wolverine, exactly. Right? Yeah. Right. That which, 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 which leads us to um, Matthew Vaughn. Who who was fantastic? I, I I don't know why Fox hasn't continued to stick with him. Matthew mm-hmm. Vaughn nailed it in that universe. So I mean, who knows whether he would have continued to do uh, first class? I guess first class did come out after X Men Origins. But I would really like to see in the X Men universe. You know, whether it's with Brian Singer or not, continue. I would have loved to see Brian or not Brian Singer. I would have loved to see Matthew Vaughn go further into this universe with what that guy did. Well, what is what does he do? Or what do they do if Matthew Vaughn takes the reins and they don't do Days of Future Past and they don't have this crossover? Like, I love Days of Future Past, but again, it was about bringing the old cast back. It was about right. bringing Wolverine into this universe yeah. and centering him up and putting McAvoy and Fassbender all that in the backseat to that. Right. Like, like, what if they just get First Class 2 or whatever you want to call it and they just follow those characters and ignore the previous continuity? Well, that's the thing. That's that was that's what was so cool. That's what I mean. Like, I don't know why they went away from Matthew Vaughn because yeah. he did first class, and then Brian Singer came back, did Days of Future Past, and they just kind of debunked basically what Matthew Vaughn did because he had such a cool ensemble piece with mutant characters that nobody really even cared about, besides obviously the Magneto and yeah. um, uh, the Charles Xavier. But even when you're getting um, Sebastian Shaw, right? Like, mm-hmm. I didn't really care too much about him, but he was great in that movie. Um, so I just, again, I don't have it even was, wasn't too bad. So the fact that they just kind of went away from him and brought back the, the mainstay characters was just w- very weird for me. But I mean, if he could have, if Matthew Vaughn did what he did with first class, God knows what he would have done with the cast of days of future past, which I, I liked that movie a lot. But again, we could have gone away from Wolverine and, and given us more Kitty. I mean, it's a Kitty Pride story in story. the first place. Yeah. <laughs> right? and, and the thing is crazy, too, is they had the rights to uh, the Fantastic Four. I mean, this is getting a little sweaty, but you could have had Franklin Richards in there, too. Like, like, like you, you could have done some of the more source material stuff between Franklin Richards and Kitty Pride. So, hell yeah. 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 What could have been? What could have been, been, man? Oh, shoot. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's take one more round, one more you know, zip around the table here and, and toss out another franchise each. And before we wrap this up, so Carlos, man, what do you what do you got for us? Well, honorable mention to the Joel Kinnaman RoboCop reboot. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you boys have seen that one or not, but yeah, yeah, I think that there was some pretty cool stuff that they could have played with there. And the the first one had a bit of identity crisis to it, where they didn't quite know if they wanted a full reinvention of the character or if they wanted to just do a remake of the original movie. But, um, you know, once they got through all that clumsiness, they ended up in a spot where you have a new version of RoboCop where he's been reunited with his family. And you have this really, what I think could be a very compelling story of you have this loving family unit trying to fight against like this corporate machinations that are trying to control this guy who is he his their product is he his own individual guy what influences can you have on how his mind works what kind of father can he be what kind of life can they have together as a family like i think there's a lot of really cool deep stuff you could do with with that and 
Uh, I thought Kinnaman was a cool RoboCop. Like I liked all the looks, but when at the end his kind of mm-hmm. yeah. black tactical body gets destroyed and he ends up back in the classic silver, it's so cool. Like and just you know Gary Oldman is kind of his man in the chair. Come on, like that's ah, <laughs> 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 oh, gotta love it. Yeah, I, yeah. it's. Yeah. I've only seen that movie once. It probably deserves a revisit on my part. Yeah, man, it's it's cool. Like I, but th- that was set up for sequels. Like, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. That was one that really, um, kind of the the knives were sharpened before it ever hit the screen, right? Like mm-hmm. people <laughs> were people were seeing that black suit on TV, and and I remember the following the build up to that movie, all the conversation was about the rating. This doesn't have an R rating. It's going to be garbage. They're making it for kids. And, you know, you're disrespecting the original. I was like, I don't know where you all have been, but, like, I've seen a pile of terrible RoboCop interpretations from the 80s until now. So, <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter what the rating on this thing is. Like, just give it a chance, and they're doing something fresh and different. But, uh, yeah, I uh, that, that would be mine. Like, I think that that was really a missed opportunity. And, um yeah, they Sony was on the precipice of having a decent franchise if they just believed in it a little bit. And... Yeah, just push forward with it, and that's I think like it's it's interesting because it's some of that is just the perseverance of and believing in the creative in some aspect, right? And just saying, okay, we're going to run with this and let's see what happens. Especially for franchises, or Sony, who's basically franchise seeking and has been for years. Huh. <laughs> like, give us, give me something, anything that they can run with, in the same capacity that every other studio has major franchises and. They're just kind of all petered out, and it's interesting they didn't give this thing enough time to to build a, a bit of a cult following, and then follow it up with the you know banger of a sequel. Yeah, give it a chance to breathe. Like they don't mm-hmm. all have to be like it was a profitable movie. They don't no. have to make you like billions of dollars off the hop. Like no, and it's it's one of those things too is that it you don't have to have your franchise doesn't have to come out every year and a half like your mm-hmm. franchise film, right? <laughs> Like this, it's not like the MCU where you have the benefit of you know multiple franchises within a franchise. Like, let this thing breathe a little bit, give it a two years, three years, and then come out with something that has some hype behind it. Get some people that are watching this on VOD, watching this on Netflix. You know what I mean? That's it, right there, man. Like, just let people discover your movie, and then yeah. see what happens. Could have been, could have been. Oh, but the last right. Sony. Yeah. All right, Troy. <laughs> what do you got, man? Yeah, you know, off the top of my head, um, I only really, really had one going on, but top of my head, and I, you gotta forgive me because it's been so long since I've seen this movie, but I remember as a kid I saw the original with Sylvester Stallone, and I wasn't a fan, and that was Judge Dredd. But Oof, then yeah. Carl Urban came in, and I was like, "What is this? This is fire!" And it baffles me the fact that it's been so many years and we've never revisited this world. Are you kidding me? The cinematography, the action sequences. Um, he's this man in, with this helmet that never comes off once, yeah, which is crazy. unheard of in a movie what? when you have the starring role of Carl Ehrman. So um, without diving too much into it, man, come on, just give us Dread 2. Where is J- Dread 2? I don't understand it. Don't understand. The budget doesn't have to be crazy by any means. No. At all to make this movie happen. Um, do y'all know what studio? I can't remember what studio he's with. Lionsgate? I can't remember what studio. I want to say that it was like a, a like a <laughs> British film, like that it was developed in the UK and right. over there and stuff like that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I agree, man. Like in Dread, you know what I mean? it suffered that Robocop faith. Yeah. 
like you didn't even give people a chance to discover this movie and like no. you know your north american audience is going not going to turn out right away but yeah. they'll check it out on video yeah. they'll check it out on tv and yeah, yeah. i love it was, it's quite well i'm just looking it up here it's very well received yeah, yeah, it's like a cult classic, I'd say. It's Rotten Tomato score is like eighty percent. Yeah, <laughs> like it's 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 hard to do that these days. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So who put that one out, Tim? I'm just looking that up right now. Um, have to excuse my poor googling, but I think it was a smaller production house that it's did more put of an it indie out. thing. Yeah, because I remember way back in the day, like I think Sylvester Stallone was coming off either Demolition Man or Dread, Ju- Judge Dread, but. They were they were horrible. I mean, the video game wasn't very good. The comic was kind of down. At least a North American audience who wasn't very big by any means. I know he's huge over in the UK, but um, when this thing hit, I didn't see it in theaters. I saw it on Netflix, and I was like, "Man, was I ever sleeping on this property? How did I not see this on the big screen?" Well, I remember and- going to see it because I was reading an article, and the author of the article it was like some some fan site, and he's like, "If you want R-rated." comic accurate movies you yeah. best support dread because they're going to be making a pile of decisions based on how this one does kind of thing <laughs> they were it's not a... lying yeah. <laughs> they it's... were not lying yeah you're right it's it's a british studio dna films i've never DNA even heard films. of them yeah never never heard they might not are they even around anymore so they're it is distributed by lionsgate lionsgate okay yeah and in the yeah. canada and the states yeah it was because because this for me had the same kind of thing going off of um Superman Returns and Man of Steel. Um, obviously, I wasn't the biggest fan of Superman Returns, but I wanted those sequels. And Judge Dredd or Dredd had me going on the internet right away, Googling, like, when's the release date for the next one? Like, <laughs> what are they filming? Because, like, I want this movie now. So, yeah. And it's, yeah, it's that... funny because, like, some of those, both of those are actually our, you know, franchises. And the one I'm going to bring here is actually that we kind of round this out, or franchises that were just essentially stopped in their tracks. Yeah. yeah. It, wasn't, it wasn't like they had follow-ups that, like like we had discussed with the first round table is that went off in different directions and kind of eventually killed the franchise. These are startups that were meant to have extensions meant to have a franchise that just never happened. And now these characters are basically left to, to death at this point. Mm-hmm. And this, this franchise that I'm going to bring up here, it did have a follow on that was very well received, but this is a movie I remember going to see with my dad. And this came out in 2001, and it was another Burton franchise that never really got off the ground, and that's the Burton Planet of the Apes. Oh, oh with Mark Wahlberg? Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. You know, say what okay. you want about the yeah. film. Yeah. I, I love the original Planet of the Apes. Like They were introduced to me as a kid through my dad, and I remember him and I being so hyped for this. And we went and saw it. Like the the makeup, the the practical effects on this thing was unbelievable. Yeah. The story, yeah, there's some aspects of it that you could give or take, you know, the cameo by Charlton Heston. You've got, you know, the, the villain in there, the general is unbelievably well yeah. done. Um, I can't remember who it was. It's on the tip it's of my Tim tongue. Roth, Tim it? Roth. Yes. Thank you. Oh. Super well done. Mark Wahlberg. Wasn't quite, he was still kid Mark Wahlberg in acting shoes. Hey, but hey, what are you talking about, man? Why, why yeah. you got to play yeah. me like that? Why, <laughs> what's, what's going on here, Tim? Yeah. I'm, a sci- I'm a scientist. No big deal. <laughs> I say fancy words. No, but it's it's a franchise that was clearly meant to have something bigger to it. If you've seen the end of the film, yeah, <laughs> yeah. he crashes back to Earth and all these ape cops show up, and you've got Abraham Lincoln, <laughs> right? <laughs> so it was it was always a franchise that it was 
yeah, it was meant to be this huge, long-running thing. Action figures at the wazoo with Hasbro did all this stuff. It never, it never took off in any capacity. It always just blew my mind that this Planet of the Apes film, like, it never got a sequel. That no one even ever thought about it again. Like, when was the last time you guys thought about or seen this film? Probably oh, I, not since two thousand one. No. I remember the hype. I remember it's Paul Giamatti did a, yeah. a commercial as like his orangutan character, like for Coke or Pepsi or whatever. He was. It was most awkward thing oh yeah i've ever seen the dr zeus kind of character it, oh, it, oh man it, it's it was like go back like it was i was watching some youtube videos and some trailers on it before we started recording and it's just like like the practical effects on it are unbelievable yeah like unbelievable well, like but, the general or whatever the big silverback yeah him. that was yeah. what's his name Super um impressive Get your uh, filthy paws off me. Damn <laughs> does he drop human? that line? He does. In there? I think he yeah. does, right? Because the call back name? to the original. The guy that passed away that was in Green Mile. Oh, Duncan. Michael Duncan, Clark Michael Clark Duncan, yeah. yeah. He played yeah, that yeah. The, the giant yeah. ape. And it, it, like I liked it. As, yeah. as like I was 2001, I was, you know, substantially younger than I am right now. Give yeah. or take 19 years. And <laughs> I it was my wheelhouse at that time. And coming off the back end of like I remember watching like, like in to be honest with you, like the original Planet of the Apes films, outside the first one, and there's maybe one later on that was okay. Mm-hmm. Like, like this, this was good. It it hit the the cues it needed to, but never got a follow up until it was rebooted, and then you got a, a fairly decent trilogy out of out of the IP for sure. Yeah, I would probably say the Matt, uh, obviously Batman, Matt, uh, Matt Reeves. Matthew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean. <sighs> That's probably one of the best trilogies I've seen in a like that trilogy is it's, flawless. I know he did only the two out of the three, but come on, that trilogy was just bananas. Yeah, the <laughs> well, third so one to me. Yeah. yeah, the second and third they should have switched the uh, swapped the the, the names titles. around the titles yeah. around. Yeah, because the war was really in part two. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, going back to yours, you know the the aspect I loved because uh, was the twist. I was all about the twists, um, at least back then. And I I love the uh, the Abraham Lincoln reveal. Yeah. It, it got goofy when the cops came out. That's what, yeah. like, Whoa. <laughs> what kind of music video is this? But, <laughs> but at the time, I was like, oh, okay, shoot, that's that's cool. I mean, Mark Wahlberg falling in love with uh, the ape. Um, Helen uh, Bonner white... Carter was yeah, 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 yeah I got about his that. wife. Uh, yeah. I think they had an awkward kiss. kiss. Yeah, they did. Yeah, yeah, that... <laughs> yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, no, it's... no, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. I, you're right, and the practical effects were incredible yeah. for that time. Well, it's just even like it was that was like pre Andy Circus or, but yeah, pre Andy Circus. Yeah, because the rings been kicking around yet. It might have been in that same space, but like like Circus gets a lot of credit for that deep dive into the character, right? Like in the movement and all that. And you look at the way that Tim Roth moves in there, that Michael Clark, like the old way that they, especially Roth. Like just with the hands and the paws and just the way they walk and mm. it's it's wild what they're able to do with that. I'll now again, that now. what's that? You, you should just go pop it onto YouTube. Just a couple of trailers or something, just to see. Yeah. You yeah. get the the gist of everything going on, but it's just the way that the actors carry themselves. Like yeah. the the prosthetics allow them to use their face and their eyes and expression and all that. It's 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 worth a rewatch. That's so not. Do, like, you have an, do you have an idea where you would have gone? With the follow-up, like, would have you kind of followed suit with the originals a little bit, or would have you gone, you know? You know, I, 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 like, the way that they ended the film, right? Like, mm-hmm. he's come back to what he thinks 
is his time and it's a far flung future of the past he was in. Right. Yeah. And I, I like that go with that run with that kind of Mm -hmm. modern era ape. Like we see that in the original apes and that's something that we never quite get to in the Matt Reeves universe Mm -hmm. where it's like this true where they've surpassed or gone the same path as the human, but the apes. And that's something that I kind of liked in the originals is they went from basically the Roman empire esque type of apes to the modern society. And I think running like that, it probably would have been harder to do because I think the way that they set up the prosthetics and all that, it suited that Roman, that riding horseback type of, of adventure. Mm -hmm. But then you throw these apes, like you said, in cop uniforms and like on the street and, politicians and suits and that might have veered into the the goofy uncanny yeah yeah <laughs> but i think that's probably the way i would like to see it go to be honest with you yeah. apes and bell bottoms <laughs> yeah right whatever it was kind of the last of those like hyper super hyped movie launches that just fizzled right yeah because you had lost in space yeah oh yeah and, that was oh, yeah shoot. and godzilla yeah. and then this yeah. one we're like product placements and you couldn't escape these movies and then people finally saw them and they're like eh, i don't know if I, I, I like that i didn't mind that lost in space one like i remember yeah. that because again i can't remember what year that came out in is that 98 something like i think that? it's a little bit later i think it's like two early early 2000s i think early 2000s yeah so that was sort of like matt leblanc and um william hurt yeah we're in that and yeah. That and I, I remember one line specifically from that you know recycling technology came too late and the earth went to hell but it's uh yeah it's right and I, it's funny because I looked at both of those franchises Come Lost on. in Space and um, Godzilla that uh, Godzilla yeah ninety nine in name only that soundtrack though oh yeah yeah soundtrack That's of my ninety nine oh, oh, <laughs> <laughs> Puff Daddy all right guys well that wraps up this conversation this was a, I I always love these conversations that are spawned out of some crazy recent news and we have a chance to go back and revisit some of this stuff. And look at the effects, you know, very similar to what we're seeing with this Justice League cut. You know, none of these films had this opportunity to go back and change the course of history. But we're potentially going to see this with with Justice League. You know, these these franchises are never going to get that that course correction. Maybe we'll see that the Justice League is potentially going to get here with the release of the Snyder Cut. But these are all franchises that, you know, in some aspect, we'd like to see or would have liked to have seen given that opportunity to continue in some fashion down its original plan trajectory. So if you guys have any thoughts on that, make sure to email us at the nerdram at gmail.com. Tell us what you think about a franchise. What if that maybe if I continued on a path, we would have gotten something totally different. It'd be fun to hear what you guys have to say. And guys, if you want to be a bigger part of this show, like I said, you can email us. You can find us on Twitter. Our handles at the end of the episode. You can find everything we do over at the nerdroom.net. Make sure to go ahead over to our YouTube page And check out Sonny's video from this past week. That's the Nerd Room Podcast on YouTube. You can also hit us up on Instagram at the NerdRM. Again, we got those pics from Troy last week. I threw up some images of these new Empire Strikes Back stuff. And there's always content rolling up on there periodically throughout the week. Mostly fig focused, which is the way we like to keep it over there. And I guess, uh, what else What else we got here? Star Wars Commonwealth, guys. Make sure to go check out everything everyone's doing over there. We've got lots of Star Wars content, Clone Wars, Mandalorian, all kinds of stuff that's being covered. And then deep dives into comic books and everything you know, over there with our brethren over in the Star Wars Commonwealth. And last but not least, we'd like to give a big shout-out to our man Rob Wade for endorsing this podcast over on March 
com. Go over there and check out everything he is doing, as well as the endorsed podcast. All right, guys, man, this was another blast. I I absolutely love getting on the mic every week with you guys, and thank you to everyone that comes back and listens, participates, and has fun with us exploring the different facets of nerd here, guys. And we will be back next week every Thursday talking Star Wars, Marvel, and DC. And until then, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And I'm Batman. Yes, he is. Guys, we will talk to you next week. Thank you very much for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim, Troy, and Sanjay, on Twitter at TheNerdRM, TroyTheBoy87, and Sanjabi. For more content from the Nerd Room, check out TheNerdRoom.net. And don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Podbean, Spotify, or wherever you plug in. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find more podcasts from the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network, including Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, Road Squadron Podcast, San Diego Saber's Radio Podcast, Retro Inc., and the Sandcrawler Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SWCommonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world. <laughs>